And today we're returning to our series in the Gospel of Mark, picking up in chapter 4 where we left off. So I invite you to turn there with me. And when we last were in Mark, we looked at the, the previous section, which is the, the well-known parable of the, the sower and the different soils. And you'll remember that this, was a, this parable was a paradigm for all the parables. It showed us the reasons for parables, that they both conceal and they reveal. And God is the one who works through them to soften the hardness of our hearts, to soften the hard soil of our, our hearts in order to bear fruit from receiving his word. So this is what the parables do. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson, he gives a great explanation for parables. He writes that the parables of Jesus were like missiles launched against the kingdom of darkness in men's hearts. So that's, that's what they do. And the parables that we're looking at today do exactly that. Each of these parables, these three, um, maybe four parables and these three different sections of Scripture, they build upon what we've seen Jesus uh, teaching and in his ministry what he was doing already. They teach us about the kingdom of God. These are the kingdom parables. And they teach us about the centrality of God's word. So please listen now as I read along for us this section of Scripture, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when... uh, It is sown, it grows up, and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you will open our hearts to receive your word this morning. We pray that you would reveal more about your kingdom through these very same parables that you taught 2,000 years ago. We need you to explain it to us. We need your spirit to illuminate the word for us that it might bear fruit in our lives. That's our prayer this morning. May they speak to our hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. So what is the kingdom of God like? What's the Christian life all about? What's the purpose? What's the point of us showing up here 
in freezing cold temperatures. I don't, even, I don't even think it's gotten back to zero degrees yet. It's, it's still frigid. It's still absolutely freezing outside. What's the point of all of this? What's, what's the Christian life like? What, what is God doing in the world? Where are we going? What's the purpose of the church? What all these things, all of these questions are things that Jesus is addressing in these parables this morning. These are the things that we will be considering. These are the, the questions that the parables help us to put into focus and to find answers for. So we're going to look at each of these parables. And there's three sections that we're going to work through this morning. They show three different aspects about the kingdom of God. And first, we're going to see that God's kingdom is a kingdom of light. And it's a, a cleansing light, a light that reveals darkness and that dispels darkness. Nothing remains hidden in this light. Second, we're going to see the kingdom, it, it comes about, this kingdom of light comes about slow and steady. There's slow and steady growth. And this growth brings life to God's people. And the third then, though it's slow and steady, it's also exponential growth. That this, this growth, it will explode, it will increase at such a rapid rate. And this growth will bring, ultimately bring peace to God's people. So we're going to go through each of those things, but remember the key idea, the, uh, what we want to see from this, is that these parables about God's kingdom, this is good news for God's people. We're going to circle back to all these things at the end, but remember those, those three words, that, that God's kingdom brings God's people light, life, and peace. We're going to talk about all those things as we go through. But let's go through these section by section. Let's look at the first one here, verses 21 through 25. And of course, this is the first parable uh, about the light that is the kingdom of God. This light, it's a cleansing light. It's a disinfecting light. Jesus asks by, uh, begins this parable by asking a, a rhetorical question. What do you do with a light? What do you do with a lamp that you light and bring it into the room? What do you do when it's late at night and you hear a bump down the hall? You take your phone out, you turn the flashlight on, and after you turn the flashlight on, you immediately throw it away. You immediately stuff it under a pillow and you don't use it. Of course not. What's the purpose of light? It's to, to shine. It's to reveal. It's to, to, to show forth whatever's there in the darkness. And Mark tells us this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's a light that is shown in the darkness. So Mark, he's telling us implicitly here what Jesus himself tells us explicitly, what John's gospel tells us explicitly about Jesus. John opens his gospel with this very, uh, very topic in chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus himself declares later in John's gospel, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's what Jesus declares. And he says the same thing through this parable here in our section. He says, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has hear, uh, ears to hear, let him hear. 
this is what the light of the world does. This is what Jesus himself does. Is he comes bringing the new kingdom. He's waging war against the kingdom of darkness. And everything that is hidden will be brought to light. There will be no secret things. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. That's our indication that we need to take this slowly, that we need to consider exactly what Jesus is saying. And he's telling us, he's, he's warning us that the kingdom of darkness is not going to withstand this kingdom of light. This light is going to enter and going to go through every nook and cranny and all the darkness is going to be dispelled. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us living in the world today? This, this increasingly dark and uh, broken and twisted generation. Well, John uh, helps us again in his first letter. Uh, he helps us. He says that this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So this is what it means. This is what this parable is wanting us to get at, is the kingdom of light is coming. So are you going to walk in the light of this kingdom? Christ is the light of the world. Are you going to follow after him? Because everything is going to be revealed including the hardness of our hearts, including our most hidden sins, including everything that's in us. All of that will be revealed. So, let's walk in the light now. Let's walk in the light together. Because if we do, then we have forgiveness of sins. And we have this light that, that cleanses everything. It cleanses us through the blood of Christ of all unrighteousness. This is the light of the kingdom. And this is also why Jesus adds to this parable with this, uh, by, by having this discussion about uh, using different measures. He says in verse 24, uh, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In Matthew and in, in Luke's gospel, this language about using measures, uh, Jesus uses that during his Sermon on the Mount. And you probably are familiar with that uh, passage, with that verse, do not judge lest ye be judged. That's Matthew chapter 7. That's the one verse that every single person in America knows. It used to be John 3.16, but now it's Matthew 7 verse 1. Do not judge. You can't judge me. You can't judge my lifestyle. You can't judge whatever because the Bible says do not judge. What is Jesus saying there, actually? Is he saying that we can't make any kind of distinction? Is he saying that we can't differentiate between what's good and what's bad? Of course not. So what is he saying? Well, he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount there, he's saying do not judge in a hypocritical way. And how do we know that's what he means? 
Well, it's because he adds this very language about measurements and about judgments. He, he adds that with the judgment that you use, it will be used against you. And with the measurement you use, that's the measurement which will be used towards you. So are you a stingy person? Well, people will be stingy towards you. Do you always seek to find the worst in others while diminishing anything that's good? Well, that's how other people are going to treat you as well. And that's not what we're called to do. So that's Jesus' point there. That's uh, his point there in the Sermon on the Mount in that section. But that's in our relationships with one another. But here in Mark, Jesus is using it in a different way. Because here, he's applying that not to our relationship with one another necessarily, but to how we relate to God. So here, he's applying it to the kingdom. So what is he saying? He's saying that even more important than how we relate to one another is how we relate to God. How will we receive his kingdom? How will we receive his word? How will you receive Jesus' words? Will you receive them with an open heart? Will you receive them with a willing heart? Well, if you will, then even more will be added unto you as God has given you the word and then he's going to cause that to bear much fruit in your life. Or will you receive God's word with a hard heart, with a closed heart, with a cold heart? Then he's saying what was even given to you, the word that was sown, even that which was given to you, that itself will be snatched away. We see that in the previous parable as well with the the parable of the hard soil. That's the warning that's given there. But here's the thing. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of God is coming. And everything hidden is going to be revealed, including the contents of our hearts. This, of course, can be a very scary thought. And if you're not in Christ, that it should be a scary thought. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But if you've put your faith in Christ, then his light, which was once so scary, is the very means by which he will heal you and cleanse you and bring you peace. So this is the call to repentance and faith, that you would freely confess to Jesus now what will all be revealed when he comes. That you would confess to Jesus what you have hidden in your heart so that you might be cleansed, that you might be forgiven, that you might have peace in your soul to receive the benefits of this cleansing light now. If we're going to keep running away from God, if you were to do that, if you are to keep those things hidden, they will come to light. What a blessing it is, what a privilege it is that we have the opportunity now to bring those things willingly to Him to receive His love and His forgiveness. Christ is always willing. He's always ready and able to forgive and to bring you into his family. That is the cleansing light of the kingdom. That's the light that this this kingdom brings. And this light, this kingdom is coming uh, either way. And that brings us to the second thing, the second parable, which is about the slow and steady growth of the kingdom. So he says the second parable, beginning in verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. 
the kingdom of God, it brings light to everything. But how is the kingdom of God, how does it come about? How does it get here? In this parable, we see a couple different things about how God's kingdom advances, how uh, God brings uh, the growth uh, through his word, and how uh, God brings about this growth at a slow and steady pace. We see that the kingdom of God is like a man sowing seed on the ground. We've already seen how the seed here is used as a parable for the word. We saw that in verse 14 of chapter 4. The the sower is the one who sows the word. So he's sowing the word. And the word is all that the sower has to work with. The word is his only tool. The word is his only calling. After he's done the work of sowing the word, it says that he goes to sleep. And he rises the next day, night after night, day after day. And it's the seed itself that begins to germinate first, then to sprout and to grow, and and eventually grows into the full stock, into the full grain. But the man knows not how. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how the church advances throughout the world. It advances through the Word of God. And that's all we have. If you were to do a study of the book of Acts, you would notice just how central the Word of God is to everything. Every time the church advances, the Word is central. Every time people are brought to faith... It is through the preaching of the word centered on Christ and him crucified. Every time a new church is planted in a new city, it's through Paul's faithful missionary efforts of preaching Christ. This is what Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians. He says that he was sent to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. It's the, it's the foolish preaching of a a foolish message in the world's eyes. And God designed it that way so that he would receive all the glory, so that the cross of Christ would not be emptied of its power. And Paul, he goes on and he says that, uh, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all we have to offer this world. That's all our church has to offer. That's all I have to offer. It's just a a broken and and weak man like myself preaching to broken and needy people like you. The power is in the message. The power is in the gospel. The power comes through God's word. God's word is what we preach. Like a man sowing the seed on the ground. God is the one who gives the growth. And we know not how. So we must always remember that. CTK, we must always remember that we are not called to put on a good show. We're not called to entertain. We're not called to meet everybody's uh, desires. Whatever they might be, we're called to give them what what they truly need. We are called to proclaim Christ in his word. We are called to shine forth the light of Christ into the dark world. We must always stay on mission and stay on message, that we preach Christ to show him forth the light, the lamp, 
We don't want to put it under a basket. We don't want to hide it underneath any kind of show or pretense, but we show him forth and him alone. That's the way that the kingdom of God advances. So it advances through the word. Notice what else it does. It does not happen all at once. But it's a slow and steady growth. It's night after night. It's day after day. The picture we get of this farmer is that he's, he's waiting and waiting. He's waiting until, notice at the end, that's where the action shifts to, to all at once. But the all at once happens when the harvest is ready. That's when the sickle is put to the harvest. We want the at once right now. We want the at once to be right now, but we're in the waiting. We're in the slow and steady. That's where we are. That's why we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, Maranatha. This is true of God's people throughout the ages. This is true in Jesus' time. The expectation was that God's Messiah would come and that he would restore the kingdom. That he would come as a conquering king. And this is what the people wanted. They wanted Israel to be restored to its former glory. That's why we see in, uh, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, it says that the people, they wanted to take him and they wanted to make him their king. And Jesus withdraws from them. Because that was not his mi mission. Not at his first coming. Right after the resurrection as well, the, the risen Lord, he meets with his disciples. And they ask him in Acts uh, chapter 1, they ask him, Lord, will, it you, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus, is it finally time? Are we at the at once now? Is the kingdom here? Well, what does Jesus say? He says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that, of course, is the promise of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But it reminds them there that uh, there is a time coming, but that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Spirit empower them to do? What does the Spirit empower them to do? Not to conquer the kingdom. Not in the way that they might think. But the Spirit empowers them to preach the word. The Spirit empowers them to spread the gospel message. Because that's the means by which God is bringing people into salvation, into his kingdom. And it empowers them to persevere through suffering and persecution. And that same Spirit lives in us today. And that same Spirit gives the same power to God's people. But it's a slow and a steady growth. One commentator is very helpful. He writes about this section. He says that the expectation was that God's kingdom would arrive suddenly and all at once, either by a political uprising, the reestablishment of Israel's theocracy, or at the time of the last judgment. But in contrast to these perspectives, he goes on, he says that Jesus conveys the fact that the messianic rule of God arises quietly and grows steadily 
amid and despite much rejection and difficulty. It only finds its glorious consummation at the second coming of Christ. See, that's the language we have here. The at once happens at the harvest. The at once happens at the end when Christ returns. But in this life, it's a slow and steady process. And that process of advancing God's kingdom, it must begin with us. It must begin in our hearts. It has to begin in our families. It has to begin in our churches. As we seek to live lives uh, following Christ, we seek to live in the light as He is in the light. As we seek to grow slowly, steadily in Christ-likeness. Only then can we have any impact in the world. But that does bring us to the last thing. Because we do see that there will be an impact in the world. There is an impact in the world that will continue to be and there will be at the end of the ages. Because God is the one doing the work. And so it's going to have a huge impact. It's going to through God's blessing. So that leads us to the last thing. The kingdom of God is like a cleansing light. It's like a slow and steady growth that gives life to his people. And finally, it's an exponential growth. An exponential growth. This is the parable of the mustard seed. This growth that ultimately brings peace to God's people. But this is how it happens. Through uh, completely unexpected uh, ways. The kingdom of God is like this small, tiny mustard seed. A tiny little round seed that could fit on the tip of your finger. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Starting with that tiny seed, yet it can grow into a tree that's 20 to 30 feet tall with branches as, as wide as it, is, as it is high. That is what the kingdom of God is like. It comes not in glory, not in fanfare, but the kingdom came first as a baby in swaddling cloths, born to Mary, born to Joseph, a carpenter. In other words, the kingdom, it, it, it came in completely mundane and simple ways. The same way that a mustard seed is, is unremarkable. That was the birth of Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, born of a virgin, born in the cattle stall, born there. And yet the impact of this birth, of this child, it was and it continues to be exponential. The result of this is uh, ever-expanding kingdom. The growth is incredible, like the mustard seed tree. With, with branches that are large enough for the birds of the air to go and to make nests and to find shade in the branches. This is the picture that we get of the safety and the peace that God's kingdom brings to his people. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Very small beginnings. With a group of just a few disciples after the resurrection. Starting in Jerusalem, then spreading out into the, uh, every area of the world. And we are the beneficiaries of that. And now uh, we, we, uh, yeah, we, we benefit from the advancement of God's kingdom. But it's exponential, it's slow and steady, it's inevitable. I'm reminded of when I lived in Richmond, Virginia. And I lived in the, the old uh, 
an old part of the city called the Museum District. Um, maybe you can guess why it's called that. It's because of, of all the museums that are along uh, the main street there. But I lived in the Museum district, district of Richmond, and it was great because the church was right there. I lived uh, right uh, about three blocks from the church in a tiny one-bedroom apartment. Uh, it was so small. Uh, it was in an old row house uh, on, these, on these streets that was converted into apartments. It was so small, uh, I couldn't shut my bedroom door with my bed in there. And I tried every single arrangement. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way to get it to shut. Uh, this is where the curtains were, by the way, Bob. Uh, so now you, now you know uh, what we're talking about. Uh, I'll tell you later if you're interested. <laughs> but... But I lived in this uh, tiny apartment, and I'd walk to church because it was, it was right there, three blocks away. But it was an old, old city, and the sidewalks were all uh, cracked and uneven. You had to watch where you're going. Eventually, I got pretty good at it. I could go pretty quickly uh, down the street. But the reason they were all cracked and crumbling is because of all the trees that they had planted along the street and along the sidewalk. And what had started as just shrubs and small trees, well, of course, over time and over the years, those trees slowly, steadily kept growing and growing, their roots extending out until they extended out underneath the cement, underneath the sidewalk. They kept growing. They burst open the cement. They burst open the street because the growth was inevitable. There's nothing that that cement was going to do to prevent that tree from growing taller and getting bigger and getting bigger. And that's the picture we get here. Is that God's kingdom, no, no matter how dark it might look out in the world, no matter how, how weary we might be of the world, no matter how dark it might look to us, the kingdom of God is growing nonetheless. And the light is going to shine even into the darkness, darkest darkness. Nothing's going to stop the growth of God's kingdom. Nothing. Until that day comes when he returns, when he makes all things new, when that growth explodes into his new kingdom, into the new heavens and the new earth. And we, like the birds of the air, will rest safely in his branches. But until that day comes, Christ promises us that we will see the slow and steady growth in our lives, in the church, in the world. He will keep us, he will protect us until that day. That is the picture that we have here. It's a glorious kingdom that is here presently, but that is awaiting for us when it comes and he brings us perfect peace. So as we wrap up today, what should we make of, of all these parables uh, what should we take away from them? Well, remember that, that key idea that God's kingdom, it brings God's people, it brings us life, light, and peace. So the first thing, uh, the light that it brings, we should remember that we need to be always fighting sin. That all of our hidden sins are going to be brought to light one day. So let's bring them to light today. Let's confess our sins to one another. Let's confess our sins to the Lord. Let's receive the benefits of this cleansing light, this disinfecting light, this, the cleansing blood of Christ to shed for you if you will come to him and bring all of your sins before him. He will forgive you. The second thing, let's pursue the sanctification of a holy life, but not expect it to happen overnight. The slow and steady advance of God's kingdom, it, it's true for us individually as well. 
And we always need to remember that He is the one who is at work in us. He who began that good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, at the day of the harvest, at the day that He returns. And sanctification, while we are fighting sin, sanctification is the work of God, the work of God's free grace in your life through the Spirit. So our lives, like the kingdom itself, it's a slow and steady advance. So let's look to Him. Let's not grow weary. Finally, finally, let's not grow weary of the world around us that we're living in, especially in a new year, and we never know what new years bring. We don't know uh, what the world is going to be like. We don't know if, how things are going to go. We can be so discouraged by that, but let's focus on what God is doing, that He is growing His kingdom, that His kingdom is advancing. It's inevitable. It's exponential. And when he returns, that growth will be complete. So let's stay on mission. Let's stay on message. Let's focus on the word of God. Let's focus on Christ himself who promises the victory. Let's do that, church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the promise of your kingdom uh, that brings light and life and peace to your people. So we pray that you would help us to not grow weary from the outside world, but to trust in your goodness, to trust in your grace always, that you are at work. Uh, You're at work in our lives, you're at work in the world, uh, even when we don't see it. So please give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the hearts to believe. Help us to uh, trust in you and rest in you today, we pray in your holy name. Amen.